welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 78 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thanks for joining me. Today, we are talking about stress eating. Now, I have had a lot of people reach out to me to say that right now, they are really struggling. And this is related to COVID and all the different litany of stresses that come with COVID. So for everybody, what those stresses exactly are, are different. Um, I think a lot of it depends on where you're living and what is going on in your particular community. But the reality is for us as a society, COVID has created additional stress that we're not used to. And it's a stress that we don't have experience in managing. And what a lot of people are finding is that this is uncovering or aggravating stress eating or emotional eating patterns. And so that's what we're talking about today. I'm going to teach you some ways to start getting back into control if you find that your eating has just been, you know, building or spiraling a little bit on you. Now, I also, because I've heard so much from you guys that you're really struggling right now and that it's really difficult, I have developed a brand new program called Stress Eating SOS. Now, this is an intensive, comprehensive program that we will work together to get your stress eating back under control. I know that it's hard to do this on your own. And when you're struggling with stress eating, it sometimes feels like you have no options or there's no way out or you'll never fix it. I've been there, but I can tell you that it absolutely is fixable. And the best part is it's fixable without relying on willpower. So fixing stress eating does not mean that you have to then just grin and bear it and just get through all these food cravings and just do your best to not eat. We've done that before and that's called dieting. But with this program, I'm going to teach you another way. I'm going to teach you how to start getting a handle and get back in control with stress eating without relying on willpower. The program is a six-week program. It's got 12 live coaching calls. That means 12 times in the six weeks, you have the opportunity to get on live with me and talk to me directly and get your personal problems solved. So you get a chance to tell me exactly what is difficult for you right now. And let me use my knowledge of emotional stress eating to help you. I think that's fantastic. 12 calls is huge. That's a lot of opportunity. And because I know physicians are super busy, these calls are going to be recorded. So if you're in this program and you don't make it every call, totally fine. You'll have access to the replays afterwards so you can learn from them afterwards. 
Uh, it's also going to have a whole bunch of brand new content that I haven't released elsewhere. Videos about stress eating in particular and about getting a handle on it and taking back control in your own life. I'm really excited. I think this is going to be an awesome course. And if you have caught yourself feeling frustrated about your eating over the past months, I really encourage you to check it out because I can absolutely help. And I can help in a way that is going to feel so much easier than any other way you've tried to solve this stress eating. Make sure you check out the website. This is a physician only program. So you have to be a physician to register. Uh, After you register, you will get a questionnaire so I can confirm that you are a physician. The program starts May 25th. So registration closes on May 23rd. So make sure you head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS uh, and register before May 23rd. So you make sure that you get your spot. Can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's talk stress eating. Now, I think it's kind of funny that this episode is about stress eating because I started recording this yesterday and then it was one of those days, one of those, what I will probably think of of COVID days where essentially I worked a full day and then in between in the little gaps was trying to get the kids, make sure the kids' homeschooling was done and also decided to try to get the kids to clean their room because... Uh, it really needed it. But that was not the most fun exercise I've done this week. Uh, And all these different things. And then I was just trying to get this done and get it fit in. And I ended up partway through, I was down here recording and we got a puppy two weeks ago and he was uh, above me on a tile floor. So I'm in the basement. He was in the family room in his little exercise pin and kept moving the metal uh, pen around on the tile floor. And so I was trying to record and it kept picking up. (laughs) I ended up getting totally stressed out, (laughs) but I didn't eat, which is good. So uh, I decided, you know what, I need to take a break (laughs) and do this tomorrow, get it done tomorrow when the house is more quiet. Uh, And that's why where I am now. All right, let's talk stress eating. Now, I really, really believe that stress eating or emotional eating, really understanding it and understanding how it shows up in your life is one of the most foundational skills that you can have when you're wanting to lose weight and keep it off. I really believe most of the time when we try to lose weight, we follow a diet and then end up, you know, not being able to sustain it or going back to old habits. It's emotional type eating that gets in our way. It's not that, you know, the food that we started following the diet and thought, oh, this is good, I could keep doing this, that it suddenly changes. It's our thoughts about it and what we want the food to do that changes, that makes us go back to old habits. So if you really understand this in yourself, you can catch it when it's happening and you can use these skills that I'm going to teach you today to stop it from happening. So these skills... And this approach is really what I personally use when I hit a rough patch. And uh, like what I talked about in last week's podcast with this chronic pain, um, where I noticed old eating habits sneaking in a bit, this would be the approach that I then had to go through to get myself going back on track uh, with my eating. Um, And it's something that I turn back to again and again and again. And it's, I really believe that it's through understanding this 
And it's when I started to really understand this, that that's when my weight loss journey and my confidence in my ability to maintain my weight loss absolutely changed. And I see this with my clients that I work with is when we they really start to understand some of the stuff behind their eating, uh, that's when all of a sudden the game changes where uh, things just become simpler. There's a sense of ease. They sometimes forget that they're trying to not eat certain foods and it just they don't don't want them and they aren't interested in them. And that's the beauty of coaching and using these techniques. So I'm going to give you the overview today. Um, it's hard to go into all the details, obviously, in one podcast. But I think if you were to start applying these this overview approach, uh, it would make a huge difference to your weight loss and to problem solving things when things aren't going well for you. All right, let's talk definitions, because a lot of people I talk to and encounter aren't sure if they emotionally eat um, or stress eat. And I think it's really essentially most people emotionally eat in some form. Stress eating and emotional eating are the same thing. Uh, They can be used interchangeably. I actually prefer the term emotional eating because it encompasses kind of more range of emotions for why you might eat. Uh, I think for individuals, stress eating tends to resonate more sometimes because we feel that more when we feel the negative emotion more and notice that we're eating because of it more so than on the positive side. Uh, Emotional eating in our society is there's actually sanctioned emotional eating events, which would be holiday meals, right? Like if you've ever had a holiday meal where pretty much everybody at the table overeats, you feel stuffed afterwards, you need to unbutton your pants afterwards, That's all emotional eating. It's eating for reasons outside of physical hunger, which is what emotional eating is. And there's those reasons can be, you know, negative, which would be stress, sadness, boredom, all those things, or they can be positive, like celebration, happiness. Um, It can happen on both sides. And I think the big thing to know is that if you identify with that, it's 100% okay. It's normal brain behavior that your brain has gotten into the habit to looking to food to solve problems for you. And that's just because food is so readily available and it activates the dopamine system in our brain, gives us that pleasure hormone. And so in the more primitive parts of our brain, it seems like a really good solution for discomfort. And again, if we think from that primitive part of our brain, that discomfort we're feeling is seen as a threat to us. That primitive part of our brain, when we're feeling scared or anxious, it views it as a threat that something might be going on that might actually hurt us. And that's based on, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, It's not always reflective of what actually makes us feel a little bit scared or stressed right now in our modern society. But that part of our brain doesn't know that. And so it views that discomfort as uh, a threat and tries to find the easiest, fastest solution. And the easiest, fastest solution around us in our modern society is often food. And again, that part of our brain doesn't recognize that that food is almost never ending in North America and is almost always really easily accessible. And so it creates that sense of urgency, like you need to find food now and you need to eat now. 
And that's part of the emotional eating cycle. But with understanding, what you can use is more the prefrontal cortex part of your brain to really look at these eating behaviors and these thoughts and cravings that you get and really understand what they actually are and what's actually needed to solve the true problem. And then that can take away the eating piece. And that's, we're going to go through that step by step today uh, in the episode. Now, I want you to think about, like I mentioned at the beginning, I think emotional eating is one of the big reasons why people quote unquote fail on diets. I don't like really that term because I don't like the context of the black and white thinking about you're on a diet or off a diet or you're doing well or you're not. But, um, you know, if, if you ever feel that you failed on a diet, think through what actually happened. And most likely what actually happened is there was some element of your brain looking to food for problems that food can't actually solve. And if you think about it, if our brains really thought of food simply as fuel, that the only role food had was to fuel your body, then it would be quite simple to stick to a diet or a way of eating as long as it fueled your body. As long as you felt satisfied from a fuel perspective, it would be simple to stick to. The issue with the emotional eating and with how our brains handle it is we've created a bunch of connections in our brain about what food can do. So we have a whole bunch of pathways in our brain, like the feel stressed pathway, try food, the angry at something that happened at work, try some food, the bored in the evening, try some food. So our brain, because the food is so readily available and so easy to access and gives that dopamine, has connected food as an answer to all these different pathways. And it, so it's made it mean that it's more than just a solution for physical hunger. And this can be um, kind of at times sneaky, meaning you might not catch every time your brain's offering this because our brains can really adapt to how it best gets you to follow through with the behaviors. So some of the messaging that it'll give uh, might be kind of sneaky at times, like, you know, the good old you deserve it messaging. It's been a tough day, you deserve it. Doesn't sound like you're stressed, you should eat. It just sounds like, yeah, like you've just worked hard and maybe you deserve to eat something. But it's just one of these messaging. So part of your role in this is becoming a detective to catch this messaging that your brain's sending and really, you know, understand what those messages actually mean. Now, what's interesting is as you do this, your brain will change its messages. Your brain adapts and it will find other ways. So as you go along, you may find, okay, you've figured out one area of emotional eating and then all of a sudden, something else crops up and it's just that your brain changed the messaging and it kind of got through your defenses. So that's okay. You just apply these skills that I'm going to teach you to that new area. So how do you know if you're physically hungry or if it's an emotional hunger? Because at times they can feel difficult to differentiate. Um, But emotional hunger feels urgent uh, and that it needs, like you need something now. So, you know, if you're ever let's talk about the evenings, you're home in the evenings, and all of a sudden, you're like, Oh, I really need something salty and crunchy. 
that's more that emotional urgency versus, you know, it's getting close to lunch and you're feeling your stomach grumble and you're like, oh, I I should try like thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch or making sure that I get my lunch ready. That's less urgent because it's more physical hunger. Emotional hunger is about specific foods. Usually it's a specific food craving. And uh, whereas physical hunger, like if you think of the times you're truly, really physically hungry, you would be happy with anything, right? Like you just wanted something to not be hungry. And so a good way of kind of assessing this is if you're feeling hungry and you're like, is this, am I actually hungry? Or is this an emotional hunger? Ask yourself if you would eat a plain chicken breast. And if you're like, yeah, plain chicken breast sounds good, it probably it's more of a physical hunger. If you're like, nah, not really a plain chicken breast, maybe if it had some cheese on it, or maybe if there was something more sweet, that is that emotional hunger. That's your brain looking for foods that are actually going to activate the dopamine system better because a chicken breast doesn't really. Um, the other thing is, that, you know, if you ever have that hunger that is bottomless, where like you eat something and you feel actually, if you're to tune in, you actually feel physically full, but then you just really want to eat more and you find yourself, you eat something else and it it didn't work. And then you eat something else. And it's like this, this hunger that just isn't, it's like an itch that isn't getting scratched by the food you're eating. That's emotional hunger. If it's true physical hunger, once you have stuff in your stomach, usually you're fine. And it's probably actually less than what you think it might be. Like if you think when you're like really growly, hungry stomach, if you just had a chance to grab a small little meal that was actually like, you know, quality food, most times that'll settle that physical hunger. You may still be a little bit hungry and want more food later, but it's not the same as that emotional, like eat this and then, ah, no, that wasn't it. I need something different feeling. And then usually with emotional eating, you end up with those negative emotions where afterwards you feel really, you know, sometimes upset about what you ate or sometimes guilty or all sorts of stuff. And those feelings actually come from what we think about the eating. So it's about thoughts about what we just did. Um, And like I've talked about in lots of different podcasts, you want to let those go because those thoughts are, um, they they hold you in this cycle. So beating yourself up after you eat uh, does no good and ends up with you most likely wanting to eat more. But if you eat something because you're purely hungry, usually you don't have the same negative emotion because it's not associated with that same sense of you know, being a little bit out of control or, you know, whatever else you um, make that emotional eating mean. I think this is where a lot of the struggle comes from in weight loss attempts. So again, if you could just follow a particular way of eating and that food's only role in your life was for fuel, then losing weight wouldn't have the same struggle. Like if we use the lower carb example, like if you could just follow a lower carb approach and it was only for fuel and it it just wouldn't be a big deal. Like the fact you weren't eating bread, you weren't eating pasta wouldn't matter because you're getting food that fuels your body and, and it leaves you feeling satisfied. It's the, that conflict between you're eating food for fuel to lose and to lose weight 
And then your brain wants more from that food. And your brain is looking to the food that you may be choosing to not eat uh, that activates your dopamine system more. So like if you're eating a lower carb diet and your brain's constantly craving things like bread or pasta because it wants the dopamine from those foods, um, that's then what creates that struggle in the weight loss. And that's then what makes it feel difficult to stick to the way you're eating. So what happens when you, like what actually happens in an emotional eating episode is something happens that generates an emotion. And like we talked about, that can be good, that can be bad. Uh, It can be subtle. Like I've talked about again before on the podcast, for me, restless or like this subtle self-doubt sometimes are big triggers for me. Um, That emotion then your brain's like, hey, don't like this emotion. Let's fix it. Let's fix it with food. It gives you a really strong craving to eat. Uh, Sometimes you can feel powerless in that craving and you end up eating. And then you end up with thoughts about what you just ate that then make you feel negative and you know, out of control or defeated or all those different emotions that we do, which then leads you to eat again. And it goes round and round and around the cycle, which keeps you in the cycle and builds up that struggle and all those negative emotions that make this feel hard. All right, let's get to how do we actually deal with this? What should your approach be if you feel that this is going on in your life? So step number one is you have to stop focusing on the food. This is not about the food. Your brain will tell you it's about the food. It is not about the food. And so what we do when we, you know, have, feel like we're eating off our plan or we're struggling with our food choices, we get really focused on the food and we're like, okay, I just have to stop eating that food. I just need to make sure I eat this food. But in in this setting with emotional eating, the food is a symptom of something else going on. And if you can remember that, if you can, when you have those really strong cravings to eat, if you can remember this is a symptom of something else going on, then you will do so much better at getting things back settled down than when you focus just on the food and focusing, I've got to stop eating this food, I've got to stop eating at night or whatever it is. Step number two is that you need to have patience and trust yourself. So depending on what's going on in your life, like as humans, there's lots of different things we go through with lots of different stress levels. So sometimes it's just a little stress, right? Like a little, a bad day, something, you know, you got spent the day. This used to be one of my biggest drivers is felt behind the whole day and, you know, didn't get things done and kind of develop this stress through the day. And that, you know, you could, it's not as big. And I was able, once I figured out how, I was able to turn that around fairly quickly. However, there are bigger stresses, right? Like uh, illness of a loved one can be a big stress. Changes to your life in some way, in a major way. Changes to your job. Um, There's all these different things that can be different levels of stress. And so sometimes, even when you're following these tools, it may take a little bit to get things sorted out. And I want to tell you that that is okay. 
the way I think about this is sometimes you can just do a U-turn, right? You're driving in a car, you flip a U and you go back in the, in the correct direction. Problem solved. So you can just make a small correction and things are better. Other times it can feel like you're turning a boat around and a big boat. <laughs> Maybe sometimes it feels like you're turning the Titanic around and it is a slow process, but each little correction you do helps move you in the direction of eventually getting turned around. And so that's where I think, you know, having patience with yourself when you're figuring this out and you're trying to figure out what's driving the eating, if it isn't always immediately clear and if it doesn't always immediately correct itself, that is okay. That is part of the process and there is value in that learning that you're doing. I think the other piece, so patience, but also trusting ourselves. What I see is we, in weight loss, when we've struggled with our weight for a long time, we have a very tenuous trust with ourselves. So, and and we're taught this, that, you know, when you struggle with your weight, you're, you can't really be trusted to stick to a diet. Um, you can't be trusted to follow through. These are all things that people um, talk to me about when we're coaching. Um, but I think it's really important to intentionally build that trust because if you can't trust yourself around food, it, it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas if you decide that you're going to trust yourself to figure it out, no matter what happens, that is a really empowering way to think about this. And that can help you make so many changes long-term that actually last. So if you're struggling right now and or in the future, if you suddenly start to struggle, be patient, know that it won't always correct immediately as you start to make some of these changes, but trust yourself that you're going to figure it out. Give yourself the benefit of that trust. I think it's really, really important. And just imagine like if you could, after you've made a mistake, just trust yourself that it's okay and that you'll figure it out and get back to normal. Imagine how much easier it would be to do that. Again, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that if you trust yourself and tell yourself, it's okay, I'll figure this out and I'll get back to normal. Guess what? You're probably going to figure it out and get back to normal a lot faster than you may have if you went down the rabbit hole of feeling like you'll never be able to do it. Step number three is to be curious. So again, we stepping out of that self-blame cycle, because that self-blame cycle keeps you in the emotional eating cycle, stepping out of that and being curious about, it's interesting that I just ate that. I wonder what was going on. Or I wonder what I was thinking before I ate that. Or what was I feeling right before I had that food craving? And what this is about is really developing a good understanding of your kind of catalog of things that make you want to eat. But understanding from a curious and compassionate standpoint, not a blaming standpoint. Because if you're blaming, like, I can't believe I ate that, you're not going to get any good answers. Your brain will shut down. But if you ask these questions to your brain, you will start to get answers and you'll start to notice patterns and you'll start to become more aware of what is actually going on, what that underneath the stress eating, what the driver of those food cravings are, because you have to figure out 
what the driver is, what the actual true problem is, so that you can find a solution other than eating to feel better. So step number four then brings us to decide what you need instead of food. So when once you've been curious and you think, okay, I was feeling anxious and I was feeling anxious about um, my work that I haven't done or haven't finished my notes or whatever it is, right? Then what you need to ask yourself is, okay, what do I actually need for that? Is it that I just need to carve myself out an hour tonight to get that done? Is it need that I need to work on how I'm thinking about that situation so I'm not feeling so stressed about it, which again is a really powerful approach? Or, you know, is it some form of self-care that I need to do? Sometimes general stress isn't about one thing. It's sometimes about lack of caring for ourselves, like lack of creating time or prioritizing time for ourselves where we can do things that help replenish ourselves. Um, And at first, when you're trying to find these solutions, it may be difficult. Uh, It may feel a bit awkward, but just sit down with paper and brainstorm. Sit down and ask yourself the question, what else could I do? What do I really need? And just write it all down and come up with a whole bunch of different options as solutions. And then I think step number five is recognize that discomfort is normal and there will be discomfort. And again, I've talked about this on other podcasts, but in those moments where food is offering that food or sorry, when our brain is offering that food as a solution, it is telling you that you're uncomfortable right now, eat the food and the discomfort will go away. That is not true. No matter what decision you're making, there is always discomfort on both sides of the equation. So when you eat to avoid one discomfort, you end up with other discomforts. So if you are stressed and you eat to avoid stress, you end up with the discomfort often of maybe feeling physically full if, if you overeat, uh, the discomfort of not reaching your goals, um, the discomfort of, you know, the negative emotions we sometimes create for ourselves after we eat. And here's the interesting thing. Often that stress is actually still there because as you know, food isn't a permanent fix to a lot of these emotions. You have that brief dopamine hit that lasts maybe minutes and then often the original discomfort comes back. But in that moment where your brain is offering food as a solution, it's not telling you that. It tells you this food will just make everything okay. The reality of life as humans is that sometimes things are uncomfortable. And sometimes the easiest path is to just be with that discomfort and accept that discomfort. So the running away from it or trying to escape it often creates more discomfort than just sitting with it. So let's summarize the steps. Number one, stop focusing on the food. It's not about the food. There's something else driving the need to eat. Step number two, be patient and trust yourself that you're going to figure this out. Depending on what's going on in your life, it may take different lengths of time. All of that is okay trust yourself that you'll figure it out. Number three is be be curious. 
Ask yourself questions in a compassionate way to find out what's really going on. Step number four is figure out what you need instead of food. So what is the problem truly needing uh, to solve? Um, And find creative solutions sometimes, brainstorm. The interesting thing with this one is it doesn't actually usually have to be, you know, big time intensive solutions. Sometimes very small things can really make a difference and help stave off some of these food cravings. And then step number five is expect that there will be discomfort. Um, This isn't about making it so you never experience negative emotions. This is about actually directing your brain to things that actually help the best with those negative emotions rather than just more food. But there's always discomfort on both sides. So it's more about choosing which discomfort you want. And honestly, often the simplest way is just sitting with the discomfort like, oh, I feel stressed right now and experiencing it rather than trying to escape it. All right, send me all your thoughts. I'd love to hear how you manage your own stress eating, what tools work well for you. Uh, you can send emails to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And if this topic really resonates with you where you this is a big area that you need help with, my stress eating SOS course is going to be jam-packed with super helpful stuff that will get you back on track and go far deeper into this topic than what I was able to in a podcast, make sure you head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS to find out more and register if you want. And remember, it's a physician-only program. The start date is May 25th, which means the registration closes on May 23rd. Uh, Spaces are filling up, so make sure you go over and get your spot uh, secured today. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We will talk to you later. Have a fantastic week.